Welcome back for another episode of The Last Word, the always true life podcast that asks, what is the significance of a person's final words and what impact did they have on those left behind? I am your creator and host, Sarah Faith. You can find me on Facebook at Sarah Faith Larson and on Twitter at Sarah Loves Words. You can find my social media and blog links in the show notes. When you click subscribe and give that shiny five-star rating, it helps the show in the algorithm. Thanks for joining me for a new season of The Last Word, where I focus on bizarre encounters with our fellow humans. I'm starting with horrific and cringy dating stories in this episode. Swipe right to enter the terrifying realm of modern dating. I won't call this a how-to, more of a never-ever-should-you. I'll share expert opinions behind the social ritual we call dating. I've saved the last word for a Reddit user who shares a painfully candid account of his life-altering date. If you've ever had a bad date, you can relate to these disastrous encounters. Some will have you rejoicing that you declined that invitation to party with someone you just met on Tinder. As an added bonus, I've hidden a personal creepy dating story in this episode, but I'll let you guess which one it is. If you have a creepy dating story or something you'd like to share, send it to me and I might use it in the podcast. Visit the Facebook fan page and vote for your favorite undateable story from this episode. You can find that and all my links in the show notes. Stay tuned. Time to grab your favorite support device because these true stories about our fellow humans are uncomfortable. Dating in the 21st century is not for the faint of heart. It is overrun with the hopeless desperation of the undateable. From guy in a van to inappropriate toe fetish, we have psycho stalkers, arrest warrants, and blind dates with aliases, and much, much more. I recently read a woman's account of the worst date she'd ever had. She met a man from a dating app. One night, they meet at a bar in their hometown of New York City. He has a dirty beard, smells bad, and is overall disheveled. He launches into a Chris Farley-style speech. Remember the SNL skit with motivational speaker Matt Foley? (laughs) I hope you do. He tells her that he lives in a van in protest of the high rents in New York. He says he has a full-time job but has a goal of permanently living off the grid. He says he is happy to wash his clothes at the laundromat once a month and to shower once a week in the trucker stalls at Walmart. He excuses himself to the bathroom and is gone a long time. The woman is wondering if he's taken a shower in there. He comes rushing out and whispers for her to take whatever he's handing to her under the table. He tells her he took several rolls of toilet paper from the bathroom and begs her to hide them in her purse. He says he needs them for his van. She refuses and says, peace out. The guy begs to walk her home. She says, nah, it's too far. He says, I thought we had a really great time and I would super appreciate it if I could come up and use your shower. Of course, she said no. Why are undateables like Van Guy shocked when people are repelled by their behavior? Lack of awareness, poor communication, unrealistic expectations, ulterior motives, the list goes on. I knew there must be more of these dating horror stories, and yay or not, there are boatloads of them. First, we'll hear from Reddit users. I have proofed and edited some of these posts. Don't be afraid to use punctuation, people. All of these stories are purported to be true. If they aren't, oh well. From a former Reddit user, do you believe? Went on a blind date from MySpace, mistake number one. We met at a fancy Italian place. He's decent looking and very nice and all is going well. Then he asks if I believe in crop circles. The story unfolds that he is in a cult that believes aliens are on earth. 
the aliens have lived in London since 1970, and they are here to save us from global warming. He channels the alien power with a group three times a week. There is also a supreme leader that directly channels messages from aliens and writes them down. He wants to quit his job and channel the aliens full time. <laughs> what? Hey, I got a pretty delicious pizza and a good story out of the deal. Also, if aliens are here to stop global warming, they are doing a shit job. From Miss Fu Manchu, American Idol. I've only been on one blind date a few years ago. It was with the investment banker's son of one of my mother's friends. One of her attempts at finding me a respectable boy from a good family. So that night, he calls to ask if I could pick him up instead because his car's broken down. I thought, no problem, and asked where he lived. He was staying at a buddy's place an hour from me. Ugh, still, no problem, I thought. I get dressed in my cutest little black dress, and I look pretty good. I pick up the guy, and he's not at all bad. A little on the short side, but he has a cute face and seems fit. We go to the restaurant and order. He gets a few drinks into him, and we have a conversation about jobs and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Then we come to who we admire. His answer? Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Just you know, without all the killing and stuff. He said he admired the character and aspired to live that kind of life. Without the killing, of course. Ding, ding, ding. Alarm bells going off in my head. So I tried changing the subject by mentioning his fraternity and that we have mutual friends because we went to the same university. He proceeds to tell me that, yeah, all his friends were just vehicles for him to get ahead in life and that he didn't really like any of them. Okay. Then comes the check. He has forgotten his wallet, so I have to pay. Awesome. By now, I'm just looking for this night to be over, but no, things have to get more fun. On the way back to the garage, we pass by an alley and he leans in and whispers into my ear. You're hot, and I want to take you behind that pile of garbage. Then he licks my ear. What? I tell him the night is over. I gave him some money and told him to take public transportation home. I called my friends, and we went out to a bar to drink the experience away. Needless to say, I was jumpy for a few days, expecting an axe to come out from around a corner at any moment. This Little Piggy from Felix Felices. I was set up on a blind date by a co-worker. Things went okay. Good conversation. He seemed nice. My co-worker and her boyfriend double dated with us for moral support. We went back to the co-worker's house after dinner to watch a movie. That's when things got weird. My coworker and her boyfriend left the room to give us some alone time. Immediately, my date tried to kiss me. One of those tongue hanging out approaches. I politely rejected the kiss and said it was too soon for that kind of affection. So he shifted his attention to my feet. I was wearing open-toed shoes and he grabbed a foot in his hand and asked if he could rub it. I declined and he began to beg. He told me he loved feet and wants to suck on my toes. I declined again and started to get scared. He made a last-ditch effort by asking if he could just sniff them once. I gathered my things and left ASAP. He followed me to my car and tried to beg me in baby talk to come back, me and my widow piggies. I kept expecting a camera crew to pop out from behind a tree and say, You've been punked! I was as nice as possible about everything, but I said I need time to get comfortable with someone before I can become affectionate. I pulled out of there so fast I squealed my tires. I had no intention of seeing him again since he had violated my personal space so much. I passive-aggressively ignored his phone calls and messages. He couldn't take a hint, though, and called 20 times in one day. I finally manned up and told him that I wasn't interested in pursuing a relationship. He immediately got nasty, called me a tease, and told me never to contact him again. Weirdest date ever.
Reddit user Bebop717 calls his story, Gamer Girls Are a Myth. A fellow gamer friend of mine set me up with a girl named Andrea, whom he claimed was a hardcore gamer. She invited us to a LAN party at her house. I swung by her place in my parents' van with my Apple desktop in the back. I have a nasty habit of arriving too early for events. I was about to knock on the door when this girl opens the door quickly as if she's in a rush to get out of here. Our eyes connect. I introduce myself. Oh, hey, I'm Bebop717. You must be Andrea. We talk for a bit as we walk back to my car to get my computer. She sounds a bit excitable and walks quickly. When I walk to the back of the van to get my computer, she gets into the passenger seat. I'm confused. What's up? She buckles her seatbelt and says, I'm starving. Let's get out of this place. I said, won't everyone be here soon? She said not to worry about it. The door is unlocked and her sister was home. I nod and ask what she wants to eat. She says a Chinese place a few blocks away. It was a nice sit-down restaurant, and I was confused if this was supposed to be a blind date or just a chance to hang out. But she's pretty cute, and I like Chinese food, so I'm not saying anything. I toss my jacket on the back of the chair, and we put in our order. Something does not seem right about her. She seems jumpy. Perhaps she's nervous because this has turned into a date. We order our appetizers and then my phone rings. It's the guy who set me up with Andrea the night before. I excuse myself from the table and return his call. I explained I was out to dinner with Andrea at the Chinese place a few blocks away, but we should be back in a bit. He says, take your time. We're coming to the party now. I'm a bit disappointed. I've been out of the dating game for a while and I tell him, do you mind if I stay with her and have dinner? She seems pretty nice and it's turned into a date. My friend cut me off. Don't leave the restaurant. We'll be there in two minutes. I walk back to the table and see the spring rolls have arrived, but Andrea is gone and so is her purse, along with my jacket, which held my wallet. I ask the waiters where she is. I walk outside to where it is 10 degrees Fahrenheit to see my car has been stolen. I am frantically calling 911. On the second ring, three squad cars pull into the parking lot with lights and sirens. They ask if I'm Bebop 717. I'm still lost how they would even know my name. They ask where Andrea is and I tell them I don't know. She just stole my parents' minivan loaded with computer gear. My friend pulls up with this chick. He introduces me, Bebop717, this is Andrea. Andrea informs me that I just met her twin sister, Adriana. She and the cops fill me in. Andrea played a prank on Adriana by swapping their mother's recent positive pregnancy test with Adriana's negative one to get even with her for the previous week when Adriana hooked up with her twin's ex-boyfriend. This led to Adriana torching her sister's car where said deed took place and decided to run away. Good timing on my part, you know, getting there early and helping her escape. After about two hours, the cops call. The car has been found. Adriana is under arrest. And do I want to press charges? There's no damage. And I don't want my folks to find out what happened. Turns out Adriana's father was a judge and they were quite lenient on her. I kept my distance from the twins after that. From a former Redditor, I call this one Sweaty Guy. About nine years ago, I was bored and unsure where to meet new people after I ended a four-year relationship, so I gave online dating a try. It seemed like a great idea. Eventually, I started emailing this awesome guy. His messages are laced with genuine wit and charm. He's good-looking, smart, well-educated, and he makes me laugh. Everything seems fantastic, Eventually, we meet at a coffee shop. He looks even better than his photo. Score! He has a great smile and is as tall as he said he was. Everything was super amazing great. As we sit at the coffee shop, we make small talk, and I notice he is starting to sweat. Not a little nervous sweat, but I just ran a freaking marathon sweat. 
I ask him, have you just worked out? He spends the next hour detailing all of his mental health and medical problems, including his glandular problems, explosive temper, anxiety, and jealousy. He looks around nervously and mentions that his ex has a restraining order against him and that he's afraid she just walked by the coffee shop. He asked me to meet him a few blocks away so he doesn't get arrested. I gathered up my bag, walked to my car, and drove away without even a goodbye. Thanks, Match.com. All right, everybody. Let's take a moment to consult the experts on dating and human behavior. From Esther Boykin, a licensed love and relationship therapist. Technology can bridge the gap and make it easy to connect with people all over, but it can also intimidate and confuse the rules of engagement. People find themselves with more questions than answers when it comes to how to date now. I see clients and friends definitely struggling with it. The downside of more options to meet and connect means that there are more opportunities for miscommunication and misunderstandings. Miscommunications and misunderstandings abound in all these stories. At least one lead character from each story is undateable. Sometimes there are multiple culprits. The experts at Cache tell us why modern dating has become so hard. Unclear expectations. Hookup culture is making everything easier. Lines like, I'm not looking for anything serious changes looking for love into a negative. We don't understand our emotions or how to deal with them. Because of past hurts, we avoid commitment under the pretext of not being ready. The experts recommend being open with yourself as a major step to emotional growth. It is common for people to move on instead of experiencing growth. We have been blinded by fictitious, perfect love. The high expectation we have created is making dating harder because we look for what's wrong with someone instead of focusing on what's right. Safety. Women are aware of the dangers associated with meeting someone online, and this has a negative impact on the dating experience. When we come back, more dating horror stories and life hacks to navigate the world of dating. Stay tuned. Welcome back to The Last Word. From a former Redditor, 20-something. Single motherhood is not the most attractive quality in a woman and something that Redditors seem to agree on time and again. I've been a parent for 10 years and single since I was pregnant. I have been on dates, but guys seem to react very badly and in many different ways to the fact that I have a child. Also, it seems that most guys around my age want to date 20-somethings. The 20-somethings want to date 20-somethings. Even the 40-somethings want to date 20-somethings. I feel trapped in the weeds of the dating pool. I have given up even trying now because I'm sick of the bullshit attitudes. I tried being positive, but that just seemed to get thrown back in my face. I have since accepted my forever alone status, and my soul has shriveled up. That is all. From Lifehack, 16 Harsh Truths About Modern Dating You Must Face Everyone, including you, is lying. Texting equals low priority. So does the word maybe. You are not the only option. They're probably seeing other people. And you should too. People have issues. They possess a dark side. So do you. People who see dating as therapy will smear their traumas all over you. Work on yourself. Your issues will take center stage and scare off your dates. Do not expect or project perfection. People want people who are desirable to other people. Unconditional love is not automatic. It is impossible and unrealistic to fully know someone. The less you care, the more power you have over your choices. From Redditor, Karma is inevitable. 
intense play date. A couple years ago, I struck up a conversation online with a newly divorced dad of two who lived near me. Let's call him Nick. We message for a couple weeks. He continues to ask me out, but I'm in no rush to jump through a hundred hoops for one more bad date. It was apparent Nick had a lot of something bubbling under the surface, talking a lot about his ex-wife and all their drama. I listened politely and knew that the man was far from ready to date again. My attitude toward him changed from possible romantic interest to this guy is a mess. He needs a shoulder, not a girlfriend. I listened, but never flirted or mirrored his persistence. He even asked if I'd agree to go to the beach with him and his family on Memorial Day. I got the feeling it was a trip he'd booked before the divorce. I said, that's a generous invitation, but we don't even know each other. He didn't like that and said things to try to change my mind, which didn't work. It just made him seem pushy and desperate. Okay, everybody, this is a red flag for me, and it should be a red flag for anyone. I'll explain. When you are getting to know someone and you assert your boundaries, ones that existed for you before that person walked in the room, but that person refuses to accept your boundaries, they will always refuse to accept your boundaries. If you can live with this, great. I highly recommend walking away. People who want you to change things about yourself to please them will always expect you to bend over backwards to please them. They are less interested in your pursuit of personal growth and more interested in what serves their desires. They were like that before you showed up. They might be that way forever. It is not your job to change them, but recognize it for what it is. Decide what you can live with. Beware of people who won't take no for an answer. That is all about them and not about you. They are telling you that the world doesn't have permission to deny them what they want. Many will use all their resources to get their way, even when doing so isn't productive. They will even violate others to prove their points. I call it toxic narcissism. You call it whatever you like. All right, back to the story. After a few weeks of messaging, I agree to a casual meetup with Nick. It took some time to work out our schedules, but we found a Saturday afternoon that worked. About 20 minutes before we're supposed to meet up, Nick sends a text. He has a family emergency and is running a little late. He doesn't specify, but I assume one of his children is sick or hurt. He thanks me for being patient. He says he's taking care of it, and I'll see him soon. I tell the babysitter that my plans are back on. As I'm walking out the door, I get two more messages from Nick. He'll be an hour and a half late, and oops, so sorry, but I need to cancel. I took mental stock of this mess. He started this cancellation dance when the babysitter was on her way to my home. He canceled when he was already late. He pushed me for the meeting, then canceled it. Too much BS and mixed signals. This is a waste of my time. I was moving on from Nick. No great loss. I hear from him a few months later. He tells me what happened that night. A boatload of lifetime movie ex-wife drama. I listened here and there. Still no flirting. I am not going out of my way for Nick. He asks if he can make it up to me. He invites my daughter and I to join him and his kids for a play date, neutral and fun. I feel now that he used this route of entry because he sensed I had no interest in him. I reluctantly agreed. He assured me he'd take care of everything, etc. My intention was to show friendly solidarity to another solo parent, not to hook up with this fragile man-child. He was nice looking in his pictures, but I felt no attraction to him. He said that he lost a lot of weight during his divorce and was quite thin. He asked me not to mention it because he's self-conscious of it. Again, we're not on a date. The kids are on a date. His physical appearance means nothing to me. I'm not attracted to any man who reeks of intense personal problems. 
We meet up at Sky Zone, an indoor recreation place for kids. My daughter and I got there first, and he came a few minutes later. I see him, and I sense immediate crazy vibes. Not the kind where I scream and run away, but enough to put me on alert. It was easy for me to see that he was forcing himself to act calm. I chalked this up to being a newly divorced dad who was worried about making a good impression. Again, does he think this is a date? Because he looks nervous. Awkward. His son runs off to the batting cages. Our daughters, who were similar in age, wanted to play in a certain area. He and I sat nearby to supervise and chat. He had an intense vibe that made normal conversation impossible. Out of nowhere, he smiles and says he has to step out for a minute because his ex-wife is here. I literally met this man five minutes ago. First internal alarm screeches. Since I am not a fan of public drama, I smile politely and say, take your time. Then out of nowhere, he bends down and kisses the top of my head, tells me I'm beautiful, and he'll be right back. I cringed and leaned away from him. All my alarms are going off now. My number one goal is to amicably end the play date and flee. But how? This man I just met left his young children with me so he can go outside and have a conversation with his ex-wife on what he seems to think is a date. I wonder what kind of impression he thought he was making on me. Plus, I was worried that he may have just abandoned his kids. Nick comes back about 15 minutes later. He never asks how the kids are or thanks me. A stranger for watching his child. He goes right into what had just transpired with the ex and all the reasons for it. He tells me about the Saturday afternoon he canceled our meetup. I refuse to call that a date. He blames the ex-wife saying she went full on crazy and they had to take her to the hospital. He never stops talking about his ex. I can see ticks in his facial expressions like someone who's about to erupt. I can't get out of here fast enough. He suggests we go to the concession stand and get food for the kids. I am too nauseated to eat. Nick is trying to push me to drink with him and relax, but I have been ready to scram since his psychotic self showed up. He had not lied about being thin. He was a skeleton. He asked me not to mention his thin appearance. Then he brings it up and asks me to be patient with him and starts this, I'm a broken man story that is dating repellent. I feel like a therapist on a scheduled outing with a patient. Part of me is happy that our daughters are having a great time. Now I'm reluctant to pull her away from the fun. After all, this evening was for the kids. He thinks I've loosened up and he invites me again to join him and his children on the beach vacation in a few weeks. I told him again, that sounds lovely, but no, thank you. Each time I shut down his attempts to make progress with me, I can see it's more difficult for Nick to disguise his anger at rejection. I'm worried and working hard to cover my anxiety about his scary persistence. Nick has completely different impressions of our evening. Dude hasn't noticed I can't sit next to him at Sky Zone because he's so squirrely and intense. He thinks we're going to pile into the family car and drive to the beach with me as his ex-wife replacement. He's actually in favor of this idea. Bonkers! I have to find a polite way to end this because I don't want to set off the temper I sense he's hiding. I tell him we are leaving soon, but continue to play with the kids and act like he's just another dad at Sky Zone, blah, blah, blah. Nick puts his arm around my shoulder and whispers, I need to be alone with you. If I have to, I will drag you into that bathroom and have my way with you. 
I went and got my daughter and told her it was time to go. He gave me a weird big-eyed expression and announced that he was leaving first. Thank God my daughter saw one more game she wanted to play. I wave bye to them and tell them that we are staying. I wanted him to leave first so he couldn't follow me or see my car. He said, but I didn't get my kiss. There was no way I was letting that happen. I shoved my arm out in front of me like a crossing guard and said, don't force it. He looked shocked and furious. I fiercely ignored him and went back to playing with my daughter. About 10 minutes later, we walked to the car. My daughter immediately is asking when she gets to play with her new friend again. I cut that off by telling her that they're going on a long vacation and I don't know when we'll see them again. Nick begins texting before I have even arrived home. He says positive things about our meeting that are not reality-based. He adds negative comments about how I don't have permission to reject him. Then he tries to act sweet. I dislike him more and more and ignore his messages. The next day, he is back to asking me to join him on his vacation. He sends photos of the beach resort. Hell no. I told him that I am glad the children had fun playing, but I would not be seeing him again. Best of luck. He went nuts. He swore at me and called me names for rejecting him because he was skinny. Those were his words. I respected his wishes and never mentioned his weight. He said that I needed to understand this and that about him. I was appalled that he was blaming me for not accepting his undateable ass. What about the trip to the beach? How can I cancel when he's already told his kids that we're coming? I blocked him and I don't like remembering those things he said to me. I was disturbed by Nick, but I had to save his messages because I was terrified he might find out where I live and cause problems for me. After a week, he stopped trying to get my attention. It was about six months before I felt comfortable meeting anyone again. A few months ago, I saw his profile pop up on a dating app and I reported him. From a former Reddit user, cheap beer and on-street parking. I should really be working, but I can't resist typing up this story. A few months ago, I was talking to a girl on OkCupid. Things were going well, so we decided to get together. I was on a budget because I was saving to move out of the country, so I suggested a local Thai place I knew, which had 25 sit beers with an entree. The food was decent, and the cheap beer didn't hurt. I offered to pick her up, but she declined, which is completely respectable. The night of the date, I'm running five minutes late and feeling rushed, when I get a call from her, even though I gave her an exact address in an easy to find part of town, she's having trouble getting there. She ends up calling me back six, seven times in the next 45 minutes as she tries to find her way there. No advice I could give was helping this girl. By now I've been there 30 plus minutes and I've almost finished my beer. Red flags about how incompetent this girl must be are going crazy, but I'm already on the ride. She calls a final time and says, hey, is there a parking lot? To which I reply, no, it's all on street parking, but there were a lot of spots when I parked. She replies, I don't know how to parallel park. Mind you, this is a city. Parallel parking is a way of life. I'm dumbfounded she doesn't possess this skill. This is already a nightmare in my mind. She asks if I would mind coming out to park her car. I agree and start walking outside, feeling embarrassed when I tell the hostess that I'll be right back. I walk outside as she pulls up. First of all, this girl was not as advertised. I got my space angled hard. I'm not someone who needs the perfect girl, but I'm telling you this was out of control. I climb into the driver's seat and I say how weird it is because I haven't driven anything but a manual in three years and her car is an automatic. It just feels strange. I slowly accelerate and head down the block about three quarters of the way down. I see an open spot. I let off the gas and instinctively push in the clutch. Instead, I stomped the brake hard. 
the girl had quite a lot of mass and wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Any physics students knows what happened next. Her head flew forward and nailed the dashboard. I started apologizing like crazy, and luckily she wasn't hurt. We spent the next hour having an awkward dinner, then parted ways. No, we didn't call each other. From Reddit user Tezzy, I call this one The List. The following are things I found out on the first and only date. Each of these things was a massive red flag on their own. He mentioned he had done a B&E to somebody's house to find stuff to sell to buy alcohol. He seems to be an alcoholic. He told me he robbed a liquor store. He says he has anger management issues. He is convinced that horror movies are accurate depictions of real events. He claims that the moon is his guide. I asked him WTF that meant, and the explanation was so messed up, it merited being red flag number seven. He stole somebody's wallet after sleeping with them. The aforementioned individual in number eight was his crack dealer. This is an inference I made. He went to a mental institution when he was 15. He has a history of hardcore drug use, although that is kind of a given considering everything else. When a police car passed us on the road, he freaked the freak out. There is probably a warrant out for his arrest. He threw somebody down a flight of stairs because they slapped him. I wish I was making this up. From Ratty Pack 2000, I call this one, Oh, It's You. My friend took this girl out to dinner for a first date. It was a disaster from the start as the girl spent the entire date on her phone. Being the nice guy he is, he decides he'll get this date done with and never call her again. He gets up to go to the bathroom and on his way back, he notices her sweater had fallen off her chair onto the floor. He bends down and puts one hand on the table for support. And when he picks up the sweater, he feels a sharp pain run through his hand. He looks up and she stuck a fork in his hand, still on the phone, and simply says, oh, it's you, and continues her phone conversation. He found the waiter, paid for his half of the meal, and never looked back. From a former Reddit user, the date that didn't happen. Showed up to the restaurant and waited 30 minutes ordered some food, and was about to leave when he texted me. Hey, there's a liquor store across the street from the restaurant. Can you pick up two six-packs for me? I told him I wouldn't. He says he decided to play Frisbee with his dog instead. Deleted app, went to liquor store, picked up wine, went home. He texted me for a month or so to tell me he just bought tickets to see me dance. I'm a retired ballerina, but I haven't been in these shows in a few years. Then he texts me an hour later and tells me how great I was on stage. I never responded. Dating is too confusing. I'm all done. Former Redditor talks about a date with a lab tech. Before Tender, Match.com, and other sites, people used to advertise in the newspaper. I responded to an ad that painted a picture of a responsible, educated, and fun guy. Fun guy, if you get my drift. He said he was a lab technician and talked a good game on the phone. We met at a local pub to have a few beers and some lunch. At first glance, he looked nice enough, but when he smiled, it looked as if he had baby teeth that had never fallen out. Never a quitter. I decided to inquire about his interests and his work. On being a lab tech, it turns out he made LSD in his mother's garage. This is where I excused myself to go to the bathroom and made a beeline for my car. I wonder if he's still sitting there. I call this one Overboard from Catalogs for Days. I met a woman on Tinder. Everything was fine until after the date ended. Over the next two hours, I received 80 texts, 10 calls, and a couple of voicemails, all of her crying and saying that I need to move in with her and her dad because she's suicidal and I need to take care of her. I deleted the app after that.
from Giggle Dust, not Gucci. Dated a guy who was arrested by detectives on our date. He tried to return a pair of fake Gucci sunglasses. When the store clerk threatened to call the police, he flashed an FBI badge to the clerk. Turns out they got him on tape flashing what was actually his brother-in-law's FBI business card. The card had a three by five FBI hologram, so it could pass as legit at a glance. Did I mention he was the principal for a reputable Catholic school in my area? Story made headlines and all. From Reddit user Snack Burrows, I call this one train wreck. On OKCupid one summer, I met a girl in West Hollywood and we went out to dinner. She turned out to be way bigger than her pictures, insanely rich, and was the daughter of Ozzy Osbourne's cardiologist or some shit like that. And she had a nasty coke habit. The whole date, she was doing coke in the bathroom and barely ate her food. After we went back to her place, where she visibly spiked my drink with a Mickey, then asked me to tie her up. She refused to allow me to drive my car out of her garage, left me to wait in my car all night. In the morning, I followed another car out. Okay, so here's my question. <laughs> Why did he go home with her? <laughs> like, if you're at, on a date with her and she's doing coke in the bathroom and you're looking at her like, what's going on? Why did you go home with her? And then she slipped a Mickey in your drink? <laughs> like, call the police. Okay, next story. From a former Redditor, Jekyll and Hyde. A man I spent some time chatting with during the pandemic seemed like a very nice fellow. For a few days, we talked on the phone for hours. One day I was on the phone with a friend. When I hung up, I noticed he called me 10 times and left violent messages, calling me a slut, saying he knew I was a bad person, but he had fallen in love with me in just a few days and kind of apologized. But I said, this behavior is unacceptable and I'm done with you. I can't deal with it and would not answer any calls. I blocked him. Then he used different prepaid phones that I'd have to block each time. He texted either threats or loving messages, putting all the blame on me, of course. When I wouldn't respond, he'd freak out, going back and forth between saying he'll beat me up until no one will recognize me and you're the love of my life. I had to keep the voice messages and texts for the police. I couldn't change my phone number because I used it for work all the time, and I also needed it as evidence. It was torture. He lied, saying he knew where I lived. He was very graphic with his threats. I didn't stay at my place for a while, had to quit my job because it was in my building. I was so damn tired, frightened, and helpless to listen to these awful things and thinking of what he might be doing to other people. My friends had to stop me from answering him with, come and get me, I'll give you the address. I'll take you down with me and I'll be the last one you hurt. They traced the first phone number, the only non-prepaid one. He was about an hour drive away, if that was his phone he called me with. When they transferred my complaint to that area, it ended quickly. I only feel safe now because I have such amazing friends. Lock him up for everyone's sake or make me win that fight. I was lucky he was sick and showed his true colors early on. Even luckier we never met in person. Otherwise, I would have been fooled like he was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. From Reddit user Charlie Bear 26 I call this one protecting the sheets. Met a guy on Craigslist. After talking to him on the phone for a few weeks, we decided to meet up at his place for a date. Turns out the two bedroom apart. Mm -mm. Turns out the second bedroom in his apartment is a shrine to his dead grandparents. I figure since they raised him, it must be his way of remembering them. So I let it go. We date for a few months 
And it happens that he demands we take showers and sleep nude so we don't contaminate the sheets. I got out of bed for a glass of water one night and ended up getting yelled at for 30 minutes about how I brought germs from the living room into the bedroom. The whole relationship was like something out of the twilight zone. We broke up shortly after that because he demanded my mother sign a notarized letter saying she will respect his wishes and not meet him. The scariest thing about it was he was an NYPD officer. Not exactly who I want out there protecting the sheets or the streets. From a former Reddit user, I call this one, buckle up. I was a kitchen manager and a head cook who was called to a table one night. It was one of those, we want to meet the chef things. I put on a new chef coat and go out to the farthest reaches of the dining room, where earlier in the night, we all noticed that the people there had asked for the lights to be turned down. As I'm going there, one of my server friends says quietly, buckle up for that. I get to the table and greet a very well-dressed college kid no older than 20, who is not drinking or eating and is sweating profusely while sitting straight up in his seat like a mannequin. Then I look at his date. She was probably in her 50s or 60s, painfully thin, tan, sagging skin, too much neon pink lipstick circling busted up yellow-gray teeth. She's got an empty bottle of wine in front of her and a ton of hoop bracelets. She's grinning at the guy, and in a split second, I could see she was using her foot under the table to rub the guy's crotch. I exchanged some pleasantries with them for a moment. Then the guy asks if he can see the kitchen really quick, because he used to work at the same restaurant in a different city. I say, sure, we'll be right back. As soon as we're out of earshot, he says that his friends had set him up on a blind date and that the woman is obviously a prostitute. He was terrified, like hostage situation terrified. I told him I'll let him out the back door through the kitchen. He fled. I haven't seen anyone power walk to their car like that in my life. Funny thing was the lady he was with paid for both meals and left a large tip. Anyone else wonder what happened when this poor guy confronted his buddies? We may never know. From Redditor, silliest monkey, stuck in the middle with you. I was on a plane flying from Abu Dhabi to New York City, and the hottest guy sat next to me. We were in business class in the two middle seats. We started talking and it quickly became a great first date once we established that we were both single. We totally connected and I got really excited since we had a lot in common until he mentioned he thinks women shouldn't work and he wants kids immediately. I was 25 and had just started my own company and kids were not on my mind. My attraction to him came to a sudden halt. I politely tried to watch a movie. He kept tapping my shoulder to ask questions. Annoyed, I tried to go to sleep only to wake up to him fully spooning me with his arm around my waist. I got up and went to the back of the plane to ask the flight attendant if I could change seats, but she said the plane was full. I went back to my seat for the remaining 10 hours of the flight. It was awful. From Redditor JMAD. Check, please. I'm a bartender, witnessed a Tinder date. Convo started somewhere with, I have seven panther tattoos. I just feel I really identify with the panther. Somewhere after that, he spotted my tattoo of some molecular structures and asked what they were. I explained and he said, I'm more of an anatomy man myself. Wink. Heard a snippet of, all my past infidelities were never my fault. All the girls seduced me. I'm a man who just can't say no. The date ended when he asked the woman what she would do if she broke her leg while mowing the lawn. The poor lady just looked at me with the most defeated expression on her face and said, we're ready for the check.
Our last word tonight comes from Redditor Jamcat55. His story, I Got What I Deserved, is a painful and candid look at what happens when two undateable people hook up. I saved it for the end because it shows accountability as well as hope for others. He says, I am not proud of the decisions I made at this point in my life. I feel the need to explain a few things. When this happened, I was 26 and living with my parents. My father had lost his job, my mother had broken her leg, and my grandmother was fighting cancer. The whole family came together to help each other and get through. I moved back home from the town where I was taking university classes. I took a full-time job at a pharmacy and just turned into a workhorse, 60 hours a week on my feet. I had just gotten out of a bad relationship and was extremely lonely. I felt cooped up in my parents' house. After a few months of all this depressing stuff, I decided to get online and see if I couldn't find someone to have a little happiness with. I met a girl on OkCupid who looked gorgeous in her pictures. We send messages back and forth, and I found her to be interesting. We agreed to meet, and it turned out she was just a few months shy of 21. That meant no going to bars or drinking with dinner. And drinks are a must. So I agree to pick up some booze and bring them to her place. I get myself cleaned up. Haircut, clean the car, go grocery shopping, print directions to her place, and then get on the road. It turns out the directions were crap, and I end up making a three-hour trip to her place not realizing how far away she actually lived. When I get to her place, oh shit, it's low income housing for the impoverished. I knew I was in that kind of neighborhood when I saw two teenage kids hitting a cat with a jump rope in the parking lot outside the girl's apartment. Somewhere in the distance, I heard God and my ex-girlfriend laughing together. She came outside to greet me. She wasn't fat, but she looked really unhealthy. Some spare flab around the middle, dressed in a slutty, unflattering way. Her jeans were so long, they drug on the pavement around her feet and had turned brown at the heels and smelled like they were infused with cigarette smoke. She had the look of a girl who ate too much fast food and too many painkillers. She was the oldest 20-year-old I've ever seen, but still she had a nice face and I'd come a long way. I remembered our playful, interesting talks, so I give her my best smile and tell her it's nice to finally meet her. She smiled at me and, oh God, she had a set of P-P-E-E colored choppers that looked like she used them to open Coke bottles. It dawned on me I had never seen her teeth in any of her pictures, just her boobs. I cursed myself for being so dumb and hard up. I do the quick decision to just go for it. Nobody knew this girl or that I was there or what I was about to do, and no one need ever know. I could take my shame and bury it. I had already invested so much time and energy in this. I clutched the six-pack and the bottle of Jose in my paper bag like a life preserver. Me and Jose would make it through together. We drink our beers and watch Idiocracy on her couch while talking a bit. I learned she is jobless, did not graduate high school, and lives on government assistance. The worst part for me was she had no desire or plan to improve these things. She was happy. I break out the tequila and we start taking pulls from the bottle. The sun is going down, but not quickly enough. I am sinking faster than it is. We go out to her balcony and some of the brighter stars are already visible in the sky. The tequila came with. Eventually, I'm drunk enough. The sun is down, and by the light of the bug zapper, her face is not that bad. I kiss her. After a few minutes, she goes to put on some music. One moment passes before I hear the dulcet tones of insane clown posse drifting on the wind. I consider leaping from the balcony to my death, but decide it'd be too embarrassing for my friends and family to find out I was ever here. Turns out the girl doesn't have a bed. 
As she gets drunker, she begins to share more about herself, and I'll spare the details. But it's apparent she is a very damaged person. My head is spinning from the booze, but I had a sudden moment of clarity. This girl is drunk. Although she is of legal age for a good romp, she is mentally no older than a high schooler. She's not too drunk to consent, but I know I'm never going to call her again. And I think what this might do to a damaged girl with issues. I excuse myself to use the bathroom and start drinking water from the tap to sober up. I remember staring at myself in the mirror and just thinking of how thankful I was for everything I had in my life. When I come out of the bathroom, she's passed out on the couch. I gather my shoes, wallet, keys. There's money missing from my wallet, but not much. The girl doesn't even have a bed. I just shake my head and leave. Once on the highway, I'm driving like an idiot. I'm drunk and I'm lost. I get pulled over by the cops in my parents' car, smelling like tequila and not wearing my shoes. The police ask me if I've been drinking, and I say, yes, I have been drinking. I give them my ID and whatnot and submit to the breathalyzer test. The cops see the results and start laughing at each other, but they don't tell me the results. They don't really need to. I already know I'm too drunk to drive, but couldn't fathom having stayed with that girl's place any longer. I gambled and lost, but to this day, I have never driven drunk again. I'm just glad I didn't hurt anyone. After the cops asked me why I was so far from home and what I'd been doing that night, i just tell them the whole story. I made them laugh, mostly at my stupidity. There is a moment, though, that sticks to me still. The officer said, You live with your parents, and this is their car? How old are you? I never felt so low. They took pity on me. There was a hotel across the street, and they gave me a choice. Check into the hotel or go to jail. So I get a room for one. The cop said he saw I'd never been in trouble before, and because I work so much and I'm trying to finish school, he wasn't going to ruin my future, even though I already felt old as hell. I work up in the morning in the hotel bed. I called my boss and told him I wasn't coming in. I just sat in the bathtub of that shitty hotel on the highway in some part of Indiana when, where no one ever need go. I thought about everything I'd done, the risks I'd taken, how I could have hurt someone, how lucky I was, how bad I felt for that girl, how grateful I was to those cops. I thought about the kind of person I wanted to be from then on. I thought so much I booked that room for another night and just stayed there thinking some more. I don't know why I've typed all of this, if it's relevant, if anyone will even read it. I don't know what the point is really, only that I feel shame and this is cathartic. I'll try to say something meaningful though and wrap it up. I was a man drowning in family problems work problems, and personal problems of loneliness and academic failure, unsure of where to go in life, and just so unbelievably exhausted from working myself to the bone and seeing no meaningful gains in life. I thought about finding a woman who would help me fix myself, so I got online. To find a woman, I painted myself in the best possible light by misrepresenting who I was and what I was about. I omitted my problems. I was an iceberg with a polished 10% shining above the water and a heap of shit underneath. I met my match and I got what I deserved. I think this is in essence what all online dating is. People who can't function in everyday life so they hide behind the screen, putting through the net tubes only the parts about themselves they know others will like or only the lies they think they can get away with. If you are lonely and you think you are absolutely in need of finding someone so you can be happy, that's the impression I get from so many people I met online then chances are there are other things in life bringing you down besides being alone. Work on those things first. 
Knock them out so you can be truly happy on your own. Then finding someone will be easier. It will happen naturally, and it will be a beautiful thing when it happens. After I checked out of that hotel, I turned my life around and met a wonderful woman, and we are very much in love and will probably get married soon. I'm grateful for that, but it would not have been possible if I hadn't confronted my own shit. If I had kept hiding behind the screen, misrepresenting myself in the hope of getting some here and there with strangers, I'd probably have ended up in that shitty motel bathtub again, considering opening up a vein to let out all that regret. In parting, love yourself, love your neighbor, do not meet your neighbor's wife on Match.com and try to love her. Thanks again for listening to The Last Word. I'm the creator and host, Sarah Faith. If someone you know has a creepy story about someone they've encountered on the web, send it in and maybe I'll use it in an episode. Later this season, I'll discuss the deaths of two women in Australia and the legal precedents that followed. I'll also profile the serial online dater at the center of one of the women's deaths. I'll explore the murders of two real estate agents and the high risk of personal crimes associated with that profession. I'll share stories from real people about their disturbing and unforgettable experiences on the deep web. Finally, I'll discuss how the rise of the internet has facilitated a wide range of crimes. I'll leave you with this quote from Miles Monroe. It is the same thing with dating. The time you are most prepared for dating is when you don't need anyone to complete you, fulfill you, or instill you with a sense of worth or purpose. Until next time, remember to be kind to each other. Every day is another shot at greatness.